Well, hello and welcome to What's Brewing, CISFA. What's Brewing, CISFA is a podcast produced for the California Community College's Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as the 2021-2022 CISFA past president. Today is a short news-only episode, so I'm letting Dana off the hook so she can go to lunch and work diligently for my LA Mission students. So let's get the show started. And welcome to another episode of What's Brewing, Seaswell. Let's start this show off with our first cup. And you would think, considering I just washed all my coffee cups, I'd be drinking out of one, but I'm not. Until right now, because I'm having some raspberry tea. Sweetened to get me through this. After all, it's, it would be my lunch hour, but I'm booked with meetings all day. So I don't quite get to run away. <clears throat> well, like I said, today may be a short show, too, because I went through all the news I could find, and there's not a whole lot out there. Um, a lot of stuff from NASFA, and in fact, that's what we'll start with right now. NASFA recently updated their data sharing decision tree, which is really meant to help you understand as a college whether or not you can disclose certain types of information from, say, a student's FAFSA or their financial aid filing general. And so... This decision tree is, you know, kind of a logical layout type of decision tree. Takes you through all the correct questions they ask in order on whether you're allowed to, you know, disclose information or not. And even then sometimes, you know, you might need legal help if, you know, you're talking about a subpoena or court order or other law enforcement requests because those uh, don't muddy the water, but they do kind of clarify things. The reason NASA put this out because back in May of this year, Department of Ed announced that institutions may use FAFSA information to help identify and communicate to students possible eligibility for certain government programs created during the pandemic. Programs include, you know, the Emergency Broadband Benefit Program, that's being ran by the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission. Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program that's ran by Department of Labor. And a program which uh, created a special enrollment period for uninsured or underinsured Americans to seek insurance through the marketplace. Ran by Department of Health Human Services. So as it says, while these are not direct disclosures of FAFSA data, and therefore not included in the flowchart, schools are permitted to use FAFSA data to conduct direct outreach to students about the programs. And this goes along with a lot of other uh, incentives that we have out there that, again, if students are receiving or eligible to receive certain types of federal benefits, uh, federal aid, I should say, they may be eligible for certain other federal benefits or state aid programs. So I'll put a link to the updated decision tree. It's got this note down at the bottom that I kind of read most of. 
so that you'd understand. On to another update from NASFA. We have an update here uh, about enrollment management algorithm, algorithms. Good worsen higher ed crisis. So this is a recent article they published here that indicates while institutions of higher ed have come to utilize emerging technologies to help facilitate and bolster enrollment trends, the practice of administering enrollment algorithms to allocate scholarships could be worsening the financial stability of prospective students. So in a recent paper by the Brookings Institution, um, which is a nonpartisan group out there that does a lot of research and does a lot of white papers and all. Yeah, this paper demonstrated the ways in which enrollment management algorithms have contributed to growing higher ed crises, including low graduation rates, higher student debt, and a stagnant inequality for racial minorities. So the article is like a good summary of this, but luckily they do have a link to the Brookings uh, paper by Alex Enger. So I'll put a link to the NASFA story in our show notes. Let's give our NASFA folks a break here and look to something straight from the horse's mouth, federal student aid. So just a day ago here, it looks like they posted it on Monday, electronic announcement that says here, in an August 26th electronic announcement, we informed school about the distribution of 2021-22 supplemental campus-based funds. Those are like your FSEOG and your federal work-study funds. And so in that, they provided updated information related to the partial distribution of supplemental SEOG funds to schools located in areas that have been impacted by Hurricane Ida or the California wildfires. Um, as it says here, as a note, federal work study will be allocated through the normal funding process as described in that earlier August 26th announcement. So as far as the distribution of the FSEOG, as it says here, the information in this announcement, the one that came out September 20th, and I'll give you a link in our show notes, the Department of Ed will reallocate a portion of the supplemental funds to schools located in areas that were directly affected by Hurricane Ida or the California wildfires and had eligibility for the supplemental funding. The remaining portion of supplemental funds will be distributed to all other schools with eligibility for supplemental funding. Schools are only able to receive this funding up to the amount requested on their FIS app. So this brings up a good point. For those who don't know, the FIS app is the, here's the long name for it, Fiscal Operations Report and Application to Participate. So our FIS app, F-I-S-A-P, is an annual report, and mine is due in a couple of days here. It's always due at the end of the month of September. That if you get work study or FSEOG funds, you have to do this annual report. And one of the questions on there, and this is always someone, someone always asks me, why do they even ask? They ask how much you would want in federal work study and FSEOG funds for the coming year. In a sense, like that's the part, the application to participate. And some people just... If they get 200000 they put 220000 But this is why in this supplemental world, for things like this, I've always gone higher, much higher. 
maybe double because I know I could use the extra work study money. I could use the extra FSCOG. But sometimes when these extra supplemental funds come out and people don't get above and beyond, that's because if you don't ask for it, they won't give it to you. Now, the good thing is here for those who have asked for higher amounts and get some supplemental, it says here schools receiving supplemental funding are going to get notified by email. Email will be sent to the financial aid administrator, normally the director, as, there, as you know, identified on your FISAP report. So if you want to, you can also log into the COD website and check under your campus-based system for any notifications. And as I said, I'll put a link to the Federal Student Aid electronic announcement in our show notes. Moving closer to home, CASFA, our California Association of Financial Aid Administrators, just recently, and as if you listen to the Friday podcast, I think Anna Faye Robinson, our current CISFA president and past president of CASFA, announced that their plans for an in-person conference this year have gone down the drain. Initially planned to be in Newport Beach and then moved to Long Beach um, due to scheduling, and uh, they usually do it in October, and current status we are with the pandemic, they've decided to switch modes again. And so recently announced, and I'll have the link in our show notes, the 2021 CASFA conference is now going to be a virtual mini conference named and titled Navigating the New Normal, which in my (laughs) are probably the most appropriate words you could come up with for this. It will be on October 14th. It's an all-day thing. It runs from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. And so the mini-conference is going to be a pretty interesting thing, Uh, in particular because uh, I believe the pricing's right. I believe it's not that expensive. I think it's only maybe $50 or something like that. I'm trying to find myself here to find where the register part is here. To get the information on that. What's my information? Where's the part about price? I can't find it, but it's probably in my email. Oh, here it says fees. Let's find it right away. So if you are a lifetime member, it is free. But if you're a regular member like me, it's only $50. So for $50, you get a full day's event. They plan to have updates from CASFA, from the California Student Aid Commission, from NASFA, and of course, as always, U.S. Department of Education uh, will be involved also. So October 14th, mark it on your calendar. Get out to the CASFA website or check the link that I give you in our show notes. Before we move on to some more articles, let's have a little bit of music here. And then we'll move on to our last couple news items of the day. just like that we are back for what our second cup everybody time to refill in my case pour the last of the iced tea into the cup so some other news out here from nasfa so nasfa is running a webinar titled always never the same 
what's new with SAP and R2T4. May have brought this up on a prior show when we've talked about news. But uh, because the date on this is coming up next week, we wanted to make sure that you knew about this. So for, uh, it's scheduled for September 29th, 2 o'clock Eastern time. So for us out here on the West Coast, that's 11 a.m. 90 minutes. It is free for those who have the Value Plus and webinar package. Otherwise, if you're a member, a regular member, it's $120 or $240 for non-members. So it's really to get at all the stuff that's new about R2T4 and SAP. You know, so in particular, you know, September 2nd of last year, there was quite a few new final rules made that affect SAP and R2T4 requirements for schools in regards to how you handle modules. And not only that, what is a module? I know we talked about that on the show before. But if you don't understand what those are all about, really don't get into the business. You don't want to know. It's, all, it's not the funnest part. But basically, there's some new rules around this, and everyone's got to learn them. So hopefully, you are NASFA members out there. If not, you don't know what you're missing when you get training like this for their webinar package. So again, at, even at $120, well worth it to listen to the experts from NASFA talk to you about this topic. So I'll give you a direct link in our show notes for those that are interested. One other reporting out from NASFA here was uh, titled Cordray Details Higher Ed Financing Challenges. And so as it says here, in the coming months, the Department of Ed is slated to confront a number of fiscal challenges pertaining to higher ed financing, primarily the federal student loan landscape and continued efforts to simplify the FAFSA. So as the article said, Cordray details, who's at Richard Cordray, who's federal student aid's chief operating officer. So he recently touted how the agency is going to tackle these impending challenges during remarks he made to the Education Finance Council and advocated for policies that would bolster clear communication and a focus on ensuring that future cohorts of students enroll in higher ed. So the policy priorities outlined touch on concerns related to continued enrollment declines in the wake of the pandemic, which you're pointed out, of course, as a point of concern. I'll just give you one quote here from him. As he says, the early data from this year on FAFSA completion suggests a downward trend may be continuing. This is a serious problem for all of us. We cannot afford more cohorts of high school graduates who are somehow failing, failing to move into the next stages of higher ed. So it's a nice little article, nice little summary. I know there's some other summaries out there at some other sites like EdSource and such. Definitely get caught up on what the COO of FSA is talking about regarding challenges being faced or that will be faced in higher ed. And then last, my last news story of the day. Like I said, it's going to be a light day here. Uh, article sent to me by somebody here. Uh, out at, uh, I think, the LAist website it was. 
And it was all about how to get to college in California. And so the nice, very graphic page here that you see, that you'll see when you go to the link that I'll give you to you. And it talks about, you know, how, again, higher education promises a lot of things. Jobs, better pay, fantastic opportunities, and lifelong success. But trying to make it all happen is not so straightforward. We can't tell you exactly what choices to make, but we can sketch out the landscape. And so they got these nice little graphics here, and I'll just read a couple here, like, should I even go to school? You know, really, what's that about? Trying to figure out what you want. What should I study? What school, which school in California, in this case, should I go to? You know, talking about money, its own little thing there. That's where we fall into this whole thing. Or how do I transfer schools or get credit before I enroll? You know, that's about early enrollment or what we call dual enrollment for our high school students oftentimes. Because you can get a lot of college units done while in high school. And just a variety of other things like what should I consider if I'm dot, dot, dot. Things like a parent, a veteran, you know, someone with a disability. And really that's understanding, trying to understand what additional help might be available from colleges. So I'm going to give you a link to this in our show notes from the LAist website. It seems very straightforward, probably some very good information. Let's hope the financial aid stuff is well-focused. Let's throw a little music up here before we head into our last part of the show and get you on with the rest of your day. And just like that, what are we back for, everyone? We're back for our last sip. A very loud one at that. So normally this would be where me and Dana would have a little bit of a, I dare you to uh, challenge to each other. Uh, I don't have anything really financial aid to re- uh, relate to you, but if I could relate anything, my I dare you to is for those who still write with a pen, which I hope that's still a lot of you, not a stylus on a screen, but an actual pen. Or you know someone who does. Might I suggest you find yourself a place that sells fine pens and either gift one to somebody or buy one yourself. And I think of this because I have a, a very good friend who gave me a Schaefer pen uh, last Christmas. And it might be one of the most beautiful pens I've ever had. And thus, I don't think to always uh, pull it out and use this pen, but I think I'm going to do that quite a bit more often. And again, there are plenty of places that sell. If you look for it in, uh, I'll say, one of the nicest independent bookstores that I know, Vroman's over in Pasadena. They have quite the selection of pens. And again, Schaefer's just one of the many names. You know, you'll, you know, you'll think Mont Blanc. Oh my goodness, so many other names out there uh, uh, that make fine writing instruments. And again, there's always picks. You can do the old style, you know, one with the ink cartridge or whatever they call it with the nice nibs. Um, yes, rollerball, etc. As far as 
what goes inside the pen, but it's really the quality, the build of the pen itself. So that's my, I dare you to, to everybody find yourself one for yourself. Cause again, it gets, it's, it's for me, it's a little like nice sunglasses. People don't always do and buy nice sunglasses. Cause they're like, Oh, I always break them. But I find that by paying a little extra and getting some really nice ones, I truly take better care of them. And I know where they are at all times. Same thing with a good writing pen. You won't be lending it out to all your friends and worry about losing it. You'll know where it is at all times. So that's my idea, you two. And just like that, we've ran out of time for today's show. We're going to bank that time for a, a later episode, maybe, with a long interview. So I want to thank you, our audience, for tuning in today to the What's Brewing Seats for Show. If you have something to say or you have topics you want to discuss, please email us at wbcisfa at gmail.com. You can find this and all What's Brewing Seats for podcasts on Google Podcasts, your Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn app on your Amazon Echo by using Alexa. What's Brewing Sisva is a production of Studio 1051, a creative collaboration of me and Dana. This has been episode number 125, recorded Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. Everybody, have a great day, and of course, have a great week.